man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. I, well, I'm tempted not to say a very good day because our weather here is absolutely appalling. We've had a really bad rain-filled evening, thumping down all night. I got a message from the meteorologist uh, office, which tells me that um, we're likely to have bad weather, so we made sure we had everything sort of in place. But it thumped it down, and it's grey, and it's dismal, and uh, I'm going to get into the proverbial plain and go across to rural Merseyside. Hopefully, uh, we'll see Don, but... When the weather's like this, anything goes. Don, are you there? If you are, I'm, whoa. I'm here, Vince. I'm here waiting for you, whoa. looking at you. Is anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your weather like, Don? Uh, it's all right. It's been okay. It's been very sunny, very warm in the sun. You could actually sunbathe if you were out of the wind, but the wind was cold. Uh, but, you know, it's been sunny, and today it's not good. It's dull. And the weather's going to drop this week, according to the forecast, which you can't always go by because the, you know, if you can, if you if you watch the forecast, you've got to try and find out where we are on on the drawing of of, of the map because it's it's like someone's thrown a bucket of paint on it. You can't find where we are, so I'm assuming it's uh, it's going to be okay. But yeah, it's been all right over the weekend. It was lovely, lovely and sunny. You know, we can go and see. we sat in the park at Palomine. Out of the wind, it was beautiful. But uh, when you get in the wind, it's cold, and it drops around about four, four half past four. It goes really cold. Whoosh, drops down. You know, got to yep. put the heating on then in the house. You know. Well, we had uh, a nice walk down by the seafront. It was very, very nice. Lots of people around. Um, it was very, very pleasant. Denny, excellent. If you're coming across this way, that's a good place to visit. But, um, you know, it's one of these things we might be a little bit disturbed with Skype. Well, at the end of the day, it's marvellous what actually we can do. You're in uh, or Whittle Merseyside. I'm here in Spain and we can have a conversation. We can see each other. So the technology is still absolutely wonderful. And when we think back during our podcast, There'll be many things that we will see as a change and possibly an improvement. Um, before we start, obviously, our thoughts and prayers go towards the people still suffering in Ukraine. There's some horrific, horrific pictures are coming out. And quite honestly, uh, it's depravity. You wonder how horrible people can be uh, in life. Uh, let's face it, you know, it's it takes somebody to sit in a tank and press buttons that's going to destroy many lives. And sorry, uh, I, I, I'm afraid two wrongs don't make a right. No, no, but no. it's been the same all the way through our life. And let's hope that, you know, one day maybe peace will reign. I'm going to start off, Don, and um, we're going to look at these eco-activists because uh, there was a guy and this guy stuck his hand to the radio studio microphone. He was in and uh, he was uh, having a tirade against nobody doing enough to save the planet. I mean, this is a 22-year-old probably who loves a little bit of publicity now and he's seen that the eco-activists managed to get it. So um, what do you make of this particular breed of person? Um, the thing is, they're, they're in the minority. This is what annoys me. The minority get the publicity in this country. I don't know anybody who is an eco-warrior. I don't know anybody at all. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know. But they get the publicity and they give them the publicity. You see, th this is the problem. Because ordinary people who lead their lives are not news. They're not news. It's these... The news are struggling all the time to get news all day, which is a difficult job, I should imagine. But they're on, it's on 24 hours, the news. So they're giving publicity to the minority at the moment 
it's still going on about this party and, and Christmas. You know, we've had enough. But the eco warriors, um, uh, they've got a point, I suppose, in their own minds. But to me, they're just a load of idiots. You know, to me, they're like students. You see, students, the the old march. You know, get a job, do something yourself. It's all right moaning about things. Do something about it. You know, if it's something sensible. You know, they want everybody to get electric cars. Everybody, you see, people aren't like that. You know, everyone's just having a normal life. But they give publicity to these people, and all it does to me. It's put me off them. Makes me makes me well, even more exactly. You know. uh, th- this is a group called Just Stop Oil, and uh, th- th- this is a guy who's gone in to speak to Tom Swarbrick in LBC's Westminster studio, and uh, this is around eleven forty in the morning. So it's not as though well, maybe he's a bit hungover. I don't know, uh, but he said the station was not using its massive platform to inform listeners of the dangers of the climate crisis. He said that he pulled the stunt because people need to be aware. Well, we are all aware. I mean, when all said and done, yeah, of course we are. Yeah, you you only need to know that uh, the price of oil is a huge problem for everybody because, you know, we've got cars. If you want to move from A to B, you've got to put something in the car to make it go. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, we were all changing over from petrol uh, to diesel because diesel was great for the planet. But then suddenly it's no good. You know, diesel is now no good. And... They come up with these uh, electric cars, which, of course, everybody's being pressurised into getting hold of. And when all said and done, I've been saying that you cannot get rid of the batteries. No matter what you do, uh, they just go in the ground eventually and you can't get rid of the stuff when it's in the ground. So that's a huge problem. No, not to mention the amount of um, uh, stations where you'll need to be able to charge up the battery. So, um, and not only that, but I, I think, you know, the whole thing is already well protesting. The problem is the protests are going nowhere because I think for what I've read and what I've seen, we've probably got cyclical uh, or cyclical events with the weather. And you know as well as I do, um, you'll think this is a terrible pattern of weather that we're getting at the moment. But when I go to my diary, because I do keep a diary, I have done all my life, I'll go back to this time last year, and it's probably virtually the same thing. It's of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. It's been the same for thousands of years. You know, we had the Ice Age. You know, what caused the Ice Age? Diesel cars, I don't think so. You see, it's uh, it just gets on my nerves. And this electric car business, see, what, what they don't look at is have people got the time to drive into somewhere and spend 40 minutes charging their car up, providing there's nobody there in front of them. And I said this to one of these electric car guys a while back, and he said, oh, well, you go and get a cup of coffee. I said, well, I don't want a cup of coffee. I want to get in and out. I've got things to do, you know, and I don't want to spend any more money on a cup of coffee, which will cost a fiver probably. You know, they don't think it out. But the, as I say, these eco-warriors, they're doing themselves no good. You look at them and you think like, well, you know, what you need is someone that knows what they're talking about. At the top end as well. Mm. Oh, oh yes, the, we need this. We need to have electric cars. It won't it won't make any difference to the planet. You know, the planet is massive. You know, they don't seem to. They, th- they seem to think in this country. You know, it, oh, in Birkenhead. You know, if we have electric cars, we'll save the planet. For goodness' sake, you know what I mean. And as you said, quite rightly, when diesel came out, uh, I got a diesel car, and diesel was half the price of petrol. Because they were trying to get people to get diesel cars. Now, oh, it's 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 much dearer than petrol now. Mm. You just get we're just getting kidded, right? And it's greed. At the end of the day, mate, it's greed. That's what these. That's why there's billionaires in the world, and they want more money. Yeah, you know, I, you, I you think so. You can't spend a billion pounds. You can't do it. It's impossible. But they want more. Oh, yeah, he's a billionaire. You know. Uh, even even the MPs, 
most of them are loaded. You know, you, you don't get an MP that's struggling, you know, like, like everybody else. They're, oh, yes, is that fellow's wife, Sunak. You know, his wife's got a billion pound shares or something in Russia. She just had millions in a dividend. I mean, you think with the, with the problems that everybody's got and with him being yeah. uh, the, the, the chancellor and with the chance to make good capital uh, in political sense, he could have said, we'll take all that and we've put it in the pension pot, uh, which, be, which we've been robbing for years. But they don't. Um, going, no. back to, going back to the activists. There is a type, isn't there? I mean, they are sort of bearded, green and common. Um, you know, they, they are sort of fringe people. And you wonder whether they're too intellectual for their own good or whether or not it's just basically they've got nothing else to do and they jump on a bandwagon. That's what you, that's what it is. You've hit the nail right on the head there. It was like the love and peace movement in the, in the late 60s. Well, you know, I say to youngsters now, when they, I say, when you look at that, they look like a load of idiots now, don't they? With their big flares and their, their long hair. And they always say, yeah, they do. And I yeah. say, well, they look like a load of idiots then yes. to me. Yeah. I said, you know, love and peace, man, and all that. And then they all ended up getting all sorts of diseases. You know, I said, that's the trouble. People have got to jump on the bandwagon. They've got to do that. You're right. They need something to do. They can't think. Today, I'll go out and have a walk in the hills or wherever they live and, and just have a nice long walk. And, and have, they can't do that. Mm. You know, well, we normally go here on, on a, we normally go shopping on a Sunday. And, and a, you see, that's the trouble. There's no imagination at all. And when something happens, you'll have a firework display and there's thousands going, oh, there's something happening. We go to that. See, that's the trouble with but it yeah, all. It, but, it, uh, it, yeah, you're and, right. And, and, you know, the one thing I've not heard once in the last month is any word about the pollution that's being caused by this war. Not one person's mentioned it. No. Now, you think straight away they'd jump on that one. I mean, the, you know, it's just so ridiculous. The whole thing seems so contrived. I'm going to go to our second talk, talking point, which is a bit of a weird one, because I happen to read that, you know, these football shirts, which are the, the replica of the club that you support... Apparently, yeah, yeah. the top of the league of fake replica shirts is the Everton shirt. Now, I find that absolutely amazing because Everton are having an absolutely appalling season, beaten yesterday again. Um, you know, I always want Everton to do well because obviously, as long as they're a point behind Liverpool, they're from the same place I come from. So I never want them to do badly. But... I always find it rather weird. I don't know if you'll agree with this, but for a, for a grown man to walk around with somebody's name on the back of his shirt, like, you know, a, a Shearer shirt or, a, you know, a um, Kenny Dalglish shirt or whatever the shirt might be, I always find that that's OK for somebody teen and early 20s. But I think when you get to a certain age, that's something that I'm not too sure about. Uh, a, a mature, inverted commas, man wearing somebody else's name on the back of his shirt. Um, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's tribal, mate. Tribal. That's what it is. It's to belong. They need to belong. There's, you know, like to me, football supporters, I know you'll disagree with me, but it's a game of football. That's all. I've played football, you've played football. We didn't have people on the terraces singing. You know, it's a game, it's a game, that's all. And the better you get at it, the further up the ladder you go and you have professional players which are very good and very skillful. But it's a game of football. It's not life and death, which it is to some people. And and to, to belong you, you put the shirt on and you walk, You see them walking down the road, you know, football shirts and shorts, the full kit and a big gut, you know, and they probably never kicked a ball in their life, these people. And they're wearing the shirt, you know, yeah, we're staunch Everton. You see, it's, I said it all. When I worked in Bootle many years ago in 68, 69, I was talking to a lad and he said, oh, yeah, he said, we're staunch blue. 
talking of Everton, you know, there were it was a, an Everton support support place bootle. Yeah, we're staunch blue, he said. When Everton lose on a Saturday, we we all sit down at the table to eat and we turn their picture to the wall and nobody says anything, nobody speaks. I thought, well, there you go. You see, that, that's it, isn't it? It's, it, but it's tribal. You see that you know we're better than you. You know we are better than you. We they're not even in the team. They don't play football. You know and. and and it gives them the opportunity to be aggressive to to another team as a trade as, as a trading standards officer um i mean do you find it bizarre that you actually have a fake of something that is supposed to be a replica of something anyway I, mean, yeah. I, I find that quite bizarre, actually. Yeah, it is. Well, well, it'll be a fake. It'll be a fake because of what it's made of, probably. You know, they'll probably be made it cheap out of cheap material. They wash it once and it'll go to half the size, you know, something like that. But, I, you see, to me, anybody that gets involved that deserves what they get, it's stupid. You know, but what do you want? To, I mean, okay, little kiddies wearing football shirts to show they support... But it's a football match. That's all. It's it's nothing else but a football match. The footballers are getting paid millions. You know, they half of them couldn't care less whether they win or lose, as long as they get their money. And you know, it, it, to me, I don't know. I, it's nice that people do that. But they're so. so I mean, I, I like football. I, I watch it. I like I like Liverpool to win and Everton to win. I'm not, not I'm, I'm not bothered about either. But you see, to get so wound up about it all and upset when they lose, you know, it's 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 sad. Really, it's sad. You know. Okay. But that's well, my opinion on it. <laughs> all right, I'll stick a little bit of music on just to um, shuffle my papers, as they say. <laughs> Okay, so the papers were full yesterday of holiday getaway traffic jams. Okay, so we're talking about, um, you know, these eco-warriors, the price of oil, the pollution. And yet, forever and a day, I can remember whenever we got to our holiday time, You'd have this great sort of mass of people would all get the cars out and they'd all go to the Honey Pot attraction like, you know, the Safari Park or the yeah, seaside. Yeah. And then they'd sit in the cars uh, polluting the planet. Now, yeah. I don't see anything of that going on in the um, uh, protest anywhere, you know, and yet this still happens. You, you've got um, the holiday getaway, so everybody is supposed to rush off to the airport where I believe, you know, you can only stay for about 30 seconds, otherwise you get a ticket these days. So what do you make of all that stuff? And would you sit in a holiday getaway uh, traffic jam? Well, first off, I like Flingle Bunt. You played there, yeah. the shadows. <laughs> played that many times. Great, great, great record. Yeah. Right now, you watch the television. It tells you the planes are aren't going to take off. There's going to be it's going to be tricky getting away. You know the boats aren't going to be sailing. P and O have gone. I'll, I'll tell you. You see, you told this. So what do they do? Off they go to the airport, knowing damn well you're going to be stuck there for six hours if you can, if you eventually get away. Because they're saying to people, ring up before you go, make sure your holiday's on. That's the trouble, you see. You know it's going to happen. I personally don't go abroad anymore because even when... Back in the day, I couldn't stand airports. Plus the fact, you know, I've been away so many times. Uh, so I worked with Monty Lister on Radio Merseyside and we went on day trips flying to Marrakesh and back in a day. So I've had enough of, of airports and flying. But that's just me. But if I knew I was going to, there was a possibility of me being stuck in an airport for six hours, there's no way I'd go. So they go, and then they're moaning their heads off. You know, oh, it's terrible. You see, but, you know, 
the answer is don't go. But you see, a lot of them have already booked a year ago. We've had COVID. Uh, that's another thing. COVID, we've got five million now in the country, more than we've ever had with COVID. You see, and that's it. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's all right. We've been told we don't have to wear masks anymore. We've been told this by the government. You see, the government are just telling people, just get on with it now, you know, be sensible. But they can't be. Oh, no, you told us. You told us we don't have to wear a mask. So they get COVID. I know there's loads of people I know now who've, who've got it. And, uh, you know, it's not as bad as it was, apparently. It's not as serious as it was. But, you know, I don't want, I don't even want to have a cold. You know, I keep away from people. I, I, I like feeling well. You know, it's no, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the, I'm exactly the same. I think this, this is the problem with it. You see, but with with the with the, the the holiday thing, they know damn well it's going to be awful. And you look at it on the television, and they're all at the airport queuing for miles and miles, all moaning their heads off. You know, well, don't go. You know, if I, if I'd paid for a holiday, or, or or paid a deposit, I'd forego that. You know, rather than stand in a queue for six hours and and then be told at the end that you can't go or you've missed your plane, some of them missed the plane. You know, to me it's stupid. And what what are the, what do they want? You see, to me, to go on holiday, a lot of them go on holiday like they'll go to Spain or or, or whatever, Mallorca, and they'll sit in the sun in a pub all day. You know, and, and come back with a big red face. So, so you know, wh why not just? To me, this country's got everything. You know, I go to Wales. I've been. To, I go to the lakes. You know, I, it's a. This is a beautiful country, and it's not all about the sun. To me, it's not about the sun. You know, if if it's if it's raining, I'll put my wet roofs on and still go out. It's, you know, to me, it's it. They've got everything here, but I'm glad they go abroad because I like to have it all to myself. You know, being a bit selfish, perhaps. <laughs> I remember uh, a friend of yours, Ray Jones, and um, <clears throat> he was in charge for Whittle Borough Council for yeah. a trip we went to. Um, Ron Jones. Ron, oh, Ron Jones. Jones. Okay. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he was in charge of the party. And uh, basically, when we were coming back from France to Paris, we'd been on, you know, a sports trip. <clears throat> and uh, when we were coming back, I felt the urge to go to the loo. So I went to the loo. I must have been there a bit longer than I should have been. And I came back, went to the airport desk, and I said to the lady, les anglais. And she points to this plane going up in the sky and there's the plane going up. And, of course, I'm left in Paris on my own. <laughs> Can remember that like it was yesterday. OK, well, look, um, we're going to have a little rant next at the BBC because I read yesterday that they're giving away plastic toys with their publications. Now, that's one thing. But when you when you think about it, Dom, these are the people who basically are telling everybody else not to go and use plastic and cut down on plastic and don't go near plastic and we should all do this. They pontificate. They've got programs, um, you know, children's TV telling us all that we shouldn't be using plastic. And here we are, all their, um, pro, uh, you know, the magazine company gives away plastic. So hypocrisy again, don't you think? Well, the BBC, I'm, the more I watch the BBC news-wise, the more convinced I am it's run by kids who haven't got a clue. You know, the, the latest thing, you see, you, you watch the news and they, they'll have an item on uh, the, the destruction in, 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 in Russia and around, around there, you know. And it's like... This fella said, and, and there's bodies in the streets, and there's this music playing. There's no need for the music. And, and it's like, they must sit for, somebody sits for hours to work out the music to play, to make it even more sensational. You know, you, you got you, like you, a street in Ukraine, and, and the fella saying, and and it's silence at the moment. You can hear this music. Doo, 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 doo. There's no need for the music at all. All that does is sensationalise it and make it like a film. And that's the BBC. And this thing giving away 
plastic. See, they don't think, you know, they don't think. See, the news, they tell you the news, but they don't follow it. Yeah, we'll do this bulletin. That, that, fills, that fills that 10 minutes in, bang, gone. And they don't realise half the time the trouble they're causing the BBC. They just get pe people wound up and it's, everything's negative, you know, and that, that's the trouble. That's my, my opinion of the BBC. I'm not a fan of the BBC at all. I think the news is, is just a disgrace most of the time. And when you have top of the news, uh, Will Smith slapping uh, the, the other guy, you know, at the, at the um, uh, film thing, you know, when that's top of the news, that says it all. That says it all, you know, to me. So to me, it's like youngsters running it, like students running the BBC. There doesn't seem to be many people with brain, you know, with brain. Because the only people that watch the BBC now are older people like myself. My son doesn't watch the news. He doesn't watch BBC news. He, put, he looks at it on his, uh, his phone, you know, when he wants to know the news and stuff like that, as they all do. You know, and he's 40 my son, 43, and he doesn't. He, he says, no, I don't watch the news. He said, it's rubbish. He, he looks at it on his phone, picks it up and goes. And that, that, that's the thing. That, that's my opinion of it all. Mm. It can only be run by students and, stu and idiots who get, who get the job because it's hopeless. The news is hopeless here in the BBC News. Sensationalising, negative and music in the background for goodness sake you know what i mean and the music is to sensationalize it to wake you up why yeah. why do they have to wind everybody up why? I, I do agree with you actually because you know you see these guys out in um uh ukraine at the moment and you, you do wonder how you can actually be there i mean they're either very very brave or um, they've got this desire to be in front of a camera so great that obviously, you know, they just don't think too much about uh, the consequences. But, yeah, I, I must admit, I do find it very, very strange. And um, I do f I find it not only strange, but I find it that it's um, it's it can't be. I don't know. Can it be good for everybody to be so agitated all the time? If the if if it can't be, then it's obviously to do with the news bulletins, isn't it? Well, you, you see, again, they've got to justify their jobs. They're so ridiculously paid, you know. The presenters that they're, they're on very very good money, you know, excellent money. I mean, you have people like Lineker, who's on millions, you know, over a million, and what's he do? You know, that's the BBC, but they've got to justify. See the guy. Oh, well, it's my job to sort of work out music. You know, I'm, I'm on sort of uh, 150 grand a year. I better do so. See, that's the trouble, and that's the trouble with everything these days. With, with councils, you have to justify their job. You know, and, and the work is actually done by the workers. You know, the, the people who are paid 30 grand a year or whatever. That, that's what the work's done. But the big bosses who are on like 80 grand a year, they've got to justify it all the time. You know, get rid of them and it wouldn't make any difference most of the time to what's going on. And I've always said this when I was working. You know, we had a boss and, he, you know, I was thinking, what, what, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. He's responsible for. Um, and we, we'd do all the work and he'd take all the glory. See, which... which and that's the trouble. And that, that's the same in, in most things. People have to justify their job, especially on television, because they get so well paid. And the BBC, I'm paying to into that. You see, with ITV, I couldn't care less. You know, ITV, they, they get their adverts and everything. Uh, but you see, the BBC, it's costing me to have the BBC. And... You know, it's hundred and whatever it is a year from every household. It's a lot of money, and and you know, you get fellas like Lineker who, who you know, it's just he's just not worth the money. He doesn't do it. What does he do? He sits there once a week, you know, and then then he makes his adverts with his stupid crisps. You know, I don't know. Well, to me, it's just stupid. It doesn't affect me 
so, so well, that's it. I think, you know, it, it sort of niggles. But anyway, uh, well, right, we'll put that one to one side then because I have next, uh, let me see, I've got a little, little written bit here. Hundreds of spectators gathered under sunny skies along the River Thames in London for the annual university boat race. As weather forecasters predicted... A fine Sunday following a noticeably chilly start to April. The excitement of Oxford versus Cambridge and the boat race. Do you get as excited as I do? It's somewhere to go, mate. Oh, something's happening. We'll all go and watch the boat race. The boat race, to me, is about as interesting as Scottish football results. <laughs> to me, because I've no interest whatsoever in Scottish football results, and I don't think anybody has in this country. Well, you know, uh, I think you're right. Uh, you've hit the you've hit the nail on the head again, because you know, until they started talking about becoming separate, who, yeah. who worried about? It? I mean, there's only really a couple of teams there. It was Celtic and Rangers, isn't it? I couldn't care less about the Scottish football results. It's of no interest. Nothing of anything against the Scots. Because, uh, you know, I, I was related to, to Scotland and I like the Scots people. They're great. But the football results, I'm not interested. The boat race couldn't care less. It's a couple of boats rowing down the Thames with no, I've no interest whatsoever in it. And I can't see what there is there is to be interested about it you know you can see anybody rowing down the thames any day of the week in, in one of those long boats you know they, they have them all the time don't they well, and in Chester's the same i can't see the point it's a, you know so what oxford won cambridge won so what i couldn't care less i certainly wouldn't spend my time going down there to stand on the end, end edge of the thames in the, and it was quite cold, uh, and watch a boat race. Absolutely boring, pointless, and it's covered on the television, which costs, you know, must cost a, a fortune to, to do on the television to produce with all the cameras and everything, because, you know, it must be very expensive. But there you go, waste of time, total waste of time. What I can't understand is why could it not be like a big competition and they let all the other universities have a like a big competition, like the football cup, if you like. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. the two best teams turn up. I mean, these uh, people that are in Oxford and Cambridge, they're always getting the best of everything. And, you know, for example, I believe in Oxford, you don't even have a bachelor's degree. You come out with a master's degree, you know, not like everybody else. Um, yeah. You know, and they probably don't work any harder for us. If if they work at all, you know, you only have to look at the the Eton and Cambridge, uh, the, the Eton boys that turn up and get all the top jobs each year. But, you know, you think they could do something like that or at least let the winner of a tournament challenged the winner of the Oxford Cambridge or something, you know. Yeah. You, you, need, you see, with sport, you need to connect to, to, to spectators. See, with, with the athletics, you have these ordinary, like, young ladies who have had a hard upbringing and they end up, you know, winning, you know, a, a gold medal which is great. You know, as I said, Kelly Holmes, as I said, was on the television, I said this the other week, she was in the army, you know, an interesting girl. And she won the 400 meters, which was the best race. This is back in 2000 and whatever, 12 or something, which was the best race I've ever seen. She was fantastic. Won it by about a fraction of an inch. And she was fantastic. And that is what it's about. She's an ordinary girl. She's made it big. She's not like a some loaded son of a, a millionaire who, who goes to Oxford. You know, to me, it's boring. The boat race is boring. Anybody, and you see, anybody could do it. Not not a, not a, that good, but anyone could do that, couldn't they? You know, it's all right in the Olympics because, as you say, quite rightly say, you know, you, you build up and you you're right saying all the universities should do it and, and the best put forward at the end. But then again, I don't think many universities would want to do it. Okay. You know, it's, it's boring, isn't it? It's not like, it's not like sport. It's not really a sport, <laughs> is it? 
well, rowing down the river. You know? Well, I, I think, you know, your Matthew Pinsons and people like that would probably have another point of view. But I understand, okay. I think we both understand where we're coming from. Make it more accessible to the public and people might like it a bit more. Now, we go next to seagulls, urban seagulls. I picked up a story yesterday. As if this is news. I mean, you know, they must need to fill the paper. But it's it was from Brighton and they were talking about uh, things that, you know, these seagulls get up to, swooping down, pinching pieces of uh, pasty from people in Cornwall and all this sort of stuff. Um, but I've got a sneak in admiration for seagulls because I've, I've watched these. Uh, when I was out jogging in Newquay and out on the cliffs, um, you know, when they were looking after their young, you'd have gangs of them sitting on top of the buildings. And if anybody went anywhere near their youngster that had fallen off onto the floor, they were at you. They were on you like a ton of bricks. So, yeah, I think there's a bit more to seagulls. But do you have an alternative point of view? Let's find out. Um, there's a chap hired a hawk or something. I don't know if it's in Brighton to kill seagulls because they're a nuisance, you know. And I thought that guy should have the hawk attacking him. To me, the seagull is the most fantastic creature of all. It's my favourite creature, the seagull. It's it's a magnificent machine. And I, when I was sailing, I don't sail much now, but I used to go out onto the D. And you'd see all the different varieties of seagulls and they'd be flying along following a fish and they'd dive down and get the fish. To me, they're the most incredible creature. And my favourite of all is the black-headed gull. And I saw a programme on it many years ago where the black-headed gull, when it's born, its father goes to the mainland. It's born on, on, on the cliffs on an island or whatever. And the father goes to the mainland to get food and come back. And the mother stays with, with, the, with the kids, protecting them. Now, sometimes the father doesn't come back. It bags off with another seagull and off it goes again. So the, the, the mother has to then go and get food and leave these kids on their own to protect themselves. So by the time they become a fully grown black-headed gull, they're hard as nails, these, these black-headed gulls. <laughs> they're not scared of anything. And they're fantastic. And it's only the certain seagulls that will come down and pinch your chips. But if, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. You know, I, 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 when we used to go to the lakes, all you got to do, and in Egremont here, we go down there and we make with bread. You can hold the bread up in your hand and the seagull will swoop down and take it from between your fingers it doesn't touch your fingers their eyesight is incredible you know and, and they're the most fantastic creature i could watch them all day mm. they're just beautiful they're they're smooth so anyone that speaks against seagulls has got it wrong well they're you're absolutely right about the eyesight because i've never seen any seagull wearing spectacles so you, you're <laughs> obviously right there uh, somebody wrote in by the way bobby from brighton he said plus they spread covid they pick contaminated rubbish from the dumps and it passes straight through them and onto your car i researched the argentine fishermen who uh, were tested negative and after a month at sea were suddenly positive. Flying rats. <laughs> I mean, there's always somebody with an angle, Don. doesn't yeah. matter what you say. Somebody, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's not as though they've all come really and usurped us. It's us that's gone and built stuff near where they actually live. That's what's happened, isn't it? That's right. That's right. I mean, the seagulls have been around a lot longer than we have, you know. But you're right. There's always somebody, and you know, you oh oh, it it it, it pooed on me car. You know, I'll just wipe it off. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I I think seagulls are fantastic. You know, and when you see them out at sea, you know, I mean, they're, they're surviving, aren't they? They've got to survive the, the things. You know, they've got. That's that's why if you get your chips out in the street. Expect to be covered in seagulls, you know? <laughs> but they're not going to hurt you. You know, they, you know, they, 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 yeah, you just swipe them away if you don't like them. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't know. I've got a. I just love them. I just think they're fantastic, and and you see them 
we go down on the prom here at Egremont on, on the Mersey and you see them and they're, they're magnificent. You know, they're standing on the railings and they're just a magnificent creature. They're clean and they're just beautiful, you know, to me. Good. I'm glad you like them as well because, I, I, as I say, I've got a secret admiration. Now, I should be able to play your jingle. The only thing is I've been working in the background trying to get everything ordered and it's an MP4 file which is a little bit different. So... I'm clicking it and I'm hoping. Oh, here we go. Can you eat it? Can you play it? Can you stick it on your head? Would you hang it up or stand it on the mantelpiece instead? Would you find it in the kitchen or behind the garden shed? What have I got? In my hand. Can you bend it? Can you wash it? Can you roll it on the floor? Can you stretch it? Can you squeeze it? Can you trap it in the door? Would you show it to your friends or would you lock it in a drawer? What have I got? In my hand. You can ask me absolutely anything you choose But just so you are not in any doubt I know what it is, but I'm not giving any clues It's up to you to try and work it out Is it oval, is it oblong, is it square or is it round? Is it really small or wouldn't you get many to the pound? Would you poke it with your dibber if it sprouted out the ground? What have I got? Hit me out! Is it hot, or is it cold, or is it wet, or is it dry? Would you stitch it to your anorak, or clip it on your tie? If you shoved it in the fridge, would it just shrivel up and die? What have I got in me hand? Has it got a keyhole? Is it something you would miss? Does it have a spout, an handle, or a lid? Before you make an educated guess, I'll tell you this. Just a glimpse is well worth 20 quid. Does it tell you on the bottom of it where the thing was made? If you left it in your window, would the colour start to fade? Would your eyes begin to water if you hit it with a spade? What have I got in me hand? Would you find it in your pocket? Is it horrible or nice? If your auntie came for dinner, would you offer her a slice? Could you change the shape completely if you locked it in a vice? What have I got in me hand? OK. What have I got? Now that was practically a program on its own. <laughs> the, the, the long, the long well, jingle. Tell us about it. What, 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 what's happened? Okay, tell us about it, Dom. What was it all about? Well, I used to write jingles, many jingles for uh, the radio, um, and television. I've, I've had jingles and stuff in adverts and all sorts over the years but this one was for a, a friend of mine called Norman Thomas who was a disc jockey and um, on Radio City and he had a program where you had to guess what he had in his hand and he win a prize and you could ask him questions and he, he, he could only answer yes or no and is it you know is it green no. Is it coloured? No. Is it is it plastic? Yes. You see, and, and eventually, you you, you you find out what you, if you guess what it actually is that he's got in his hand, then you know you win a prize. Uh, so I did a jingle. Now jingles are generally about thirty seconds. In fact, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, the, the, the television jingles. When you do a jingle for television or radio, it's 29 seconds long, half a second in, it's 30 seconds, half a second in, half a second out, and 29 seconds in between. So it's 30 seconds, exactly that. And you've got to work to that. And in the old days when I was doing them, I had to time it. It does not, now you can automatically time them. And that, that's, that's the jingle. And you, you do it in 30 seconds, and you've got to get everything in. So when you listen to jingles like um, advertising things and you've got to have information that goes on, so they'll do, yes, get yourself one of these fantastic vacuum cleaners. Conditions apply. You see, you've got to get all that in and you've got to understand what they're saying. And it's fascinating. But this one, particular one, it was a short jingle and he played it every day, uh, Norman Thomas, to into... into to, to get his, his uh, program going and uh, on it had come so I thought I'll do a long version of this for him for, for, his, for his program uh, and, and I took it to him and I said this is the 12 inch version of what have I got in my hand and he couldn't stop laughing 
You know, it was because <laughs> there's a part in it where it says, "Would you change the shape?" And, and just a glimpse is well worth twenty quid. And there's the sound of a zip. Going on. I, Norman, I missed Norman, that. Oh yeah, no, Norman was just in pleats, you know, and. Um, and that, so he played that. He used to, but it not enough. He used to play the, the short one for the start of his program, and at the end he'd play that. And uh, sometimes he'd play it, and sometimes he wouldn't. But that that was the jingle. What have I got in my hand? And um, as I say, I did loads of jingles for, for Radio Merseyside as well, and because I could do them, you know, they they they'd get in touch with me and say, "Can you do us? We're having this program." where you've got to guess this and guess that, you know, can you do as a jingle, which you did, you know, and uh, as I say, over the uh, over the next couple, I'll tell you some more. I've got, I did one for um, Newsnight, a jingle for Newsnight, uh, national TV, and uh, about the Nosley North by-election. <laughs> Not many people can write songs about a Nosley North by-election. <laughs> And uh, it was called Rosie Giorgio Rodge. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be the next MP? And it was Rosemary Cooper, George Howarth, and some fella called Roger, some conservative guy who had no chance of getting in. <laughs> anyway, I did this this jingle for them. And they asked me, did I want to do it on the programme? <laughs> Sing it in the street, which I did. You know, so I was actually on national news. And um, they, they wanted a follow-up. They said it went down so well, the programme. They wanted a follow-up looking for, um, what was his name? Uh, oh, I wrote it down here. Um, uh, Derek Hatton, that's him. Okay. Looking for, they were searching for Derek Hatton. And uh, this this uh, creature that's vanished. And he, they, they wanted, uh, they seek him here, they seek him there. So I said, well, that's, that's copyright, you know. He said, well, yeah, well, we, we'll sort all that out if you can rewrite the lyrics. <laughs> and we're going to do it in Nosley Safari Park. So, you know, come along there. And, of course, I was more interested in the in the tele, televising because I was into filming then. And the blokes were great and they were showing me all the things, you know, you put on the end of the cameras and everything. It was great. But I had to sit in this uh, field with um, bison around me. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going in there. And he said, go on, you'll be all right. Start the song off there, you see, give me. He said, we put a stool in the middle. So they put the stool in this field. I climbed over the fence with my guitar. <laughs> And I'm looking at these bison who are just looking at me with this evil look, like a semicircle of bison. And I said, I said, I can't do this. Go on, you'll be all right. So they seek him here. They seek him there. Okay, cut. And I was straight out and over the fence. <laughs> out of it. Oh. And they were laughing their heads off. It was great. I've got it somewhere on film. But Try, um, try and get a yeah, copy to me. That that sounds hey, yeah. yeah. Try and get a copy. Listen, I'm going to quickly play the the beginning of a song, and then uh, this is what we're going to talk about. A good song this week. Just listen to this guy's voice. You're going to tell me. You're going to wax lyrical. I can hear it from here. It's a working man I am, and I've been down underground, and I swear to God. If I ever see the sun Or for any length of time I can hold it in my mind I never again will go down underground Okay, so that is the late, great David Alexander, who was actually... Um, he was a neighbour of mine when I lived on Liso Road, Morton, uh, Wirral, yeah. Merseyside. And uh, they used to walk past uh, him and Penny, which you're going to talk about, no doubt, um, as they walked past our house. And our cat used to always uh, sit on the wall and their dog would not go near our house because of that. But he was like an enigma, 
because David Alexander still sells masses of CDs to tourists that come to Benidorm from a particular <laughs> shop that, um, that they just loved selling his music. Now, he talked about the coal industry, and uh, you've t- talked to me about, um, I think it was... Um, Clangevny, uh, I think it was. Clangevny, uh, was it? Um, one of the slate places that you passed in um, in Wales. But Clanberis, that's it. Yes. Um, but I mean, basically, uh, you've got Welsh ancestry in there. Tell us a bit about David Alexander, as you also wrote a song for his good lady, I believe, and one for yeah. him. Yeah, I wrote two for him. The um, in fact, what I wrote one for David. And it was record of the week on, on Radio Merseyside. Played it every day, Billy Butler. Um, yeah, I met him via uh, Penny Page. Her name's Beryl. Beryl Critchley, her name was. And I knew her long, long before she married David. Uh, I knew her from when we were young. And we were doing a gig in the band, and she she had the act in the middle, and she, she had like a puppets and things um that, that was her act she was a ventriloquist and one of the puppets was it was a duck called googie with and it had this scouse accent so i remember saying i'll write a song for you for that so you can use it in your act it was literally like that and i wrote the song in about an hour if that and uh, just put it on four track and to give it a to do in her act that was i never thought any more about it and four years later she'd married david alexander um, in fact, we played at a wedding. I played at a wedding and with the band with and David. We played at their wedding, and the um, he he said, "Oh, this this song, we'll make a record of this." And it was on his record label, and it was called "Googie the Liverpool Duck." And she rings me up, "Oh, we made a record of this, Danny." You know, <laughs> so I thought, "Oh, God knows what it sounds like." The record is fantastic. Couldn't believe how good it was, and that that really took off sold thousands and and it was played non-stop on the radio i think billy butler played it all the time because he knew her and that really took off so i ended up writing about six or seven songs for her i wrote a christmas song and the googie boogie woogie i wrote that one for her so and then you know i said to david i've got a song here i've written actually written it for paul damien actually but he went to canada so i lost touch with him for a while and then i I said, it's called I Love You. And it basically says, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a poet. I don't know how else to say this, but I love you. That that says it all. Those three words say it all. That's basically what the song was about. You know, I, I'm, I'm no poet. I'm no expert, you know, but but I love you. And that and that. And he, he, he really took to this song and it had a big finish. Uh, I sang it with a big finish on the demo, knowing knowing well that he'd, he'd want that. And he, he did it, and it was record of the week on, on the local radios. And it was great. He made a great job of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote another one called Let's Keep It Simple Tonight because uh, when we were in the studio uh, doing, doing, doing the googie boogie woogie, this guy was overdoing it, and I said, "Well, let, just let's keep it simple." And then I thought, "Let's get a good idea for a song." Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how they come about. And let's keep it simple tonight. Let's turn. Let's switch the television. Let's just sit here and, and close the door and, and pour the wine. Let's just keep it simple tonight. And he did that, and he made a nice job of that as well. Great singer, I great tried, voice, big I, voice. I big did voice. try to find uh, the first of the songs that you mentioned. Um, so we can still do that at some point in the future because David Alexander is too good not to revive and let people enjoy his yeah. voice again. I found, if you listen to it, the timbre of his voice, you can actually hear Tom Jones in there as well because both of them came from that part of the world. And, of yeah. course, you know, near the collieries and everything, you'd have the social clubs where they'd go and entertain in, in uh, that part of Wales, you know, down in the valleys. Um, you know, it, it, they, they must have been very tough times for the people that, you know, don't understand. It's all very well for the eco-warrior to go, as we were talking about at the beginning of our podcast today. It's all very well to go in and uh, sort of complain about everything and stick your hand to the microphone. But these guys actually went 
down under the ground to make sure that we could get coal out and um, heat our houses and um, obviously the power stations to provide the electricity. I mean, the trouble is, you know, linking both ends of our podcast, uh, podcast, I think people don't really understand the things that they complain about relate to the sacrifices of people of yesterday. They don't understand that anymore. I think that's where they've lost the plot, quite honestly, Don. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, see, David Alexander had a hit, actually, uh, before he met Penny Page. Um, the answer to everything. It was it was an it was a hit, and he had a, he had a record deal. Just that I'd throw that in. He he was well known, you know. And then he then he married and, and moved up here, uh, married uh, Penny, and, and he was great. Yeah, the the thing they go on about slavery. You see, oh slavery. We had slavery here. They had kids working down the mines, and when you go to the slate museum, you, you get guys who are working. Uh, 12 hour days they'd, they'd get up in the morning go down the mine and come back at night and they wouldn't see the light of day and when you go to this slate museum in in Clamberis, it shows you the houses they've knocked houses down in Tanagrisha and rebuilt them there it, it, like, like a little row of houses as they were and they're so small you can't believe it. And they had families, and that's how they lived. They had no electricity because I, I went on holiday to Tanagrisha oh, when I was about nine, and there was no electricity. They had gas lamps, you know, in the house to light the house, no telly or anything. And, you know, and that that's what they lived. And, you know, and the, the life expectancy of the children was about 25 to 30, you know, breathing in all this thing. See, and... and the, the the actual owners of the mines were making a fortune. It was slavery. You see, that was slavery. You know, and which is terrible. You know, they go on about the black the black people getting slaves. See, the the whites were also the same. You know, it it, it was terrible. You know, and when you look at these programs on it on the television, you, you, you wonder how they'd survive. It's not living. It's just surviving. You know, back in and it was in the eighteen hundreds. You know, and things yeah. changed. Okay, but, John. Well, look, you know. uh, that takes us to our hour. Um, and what I'll do is I'll finish off with this great song because, I mean, normally we, we do tend to pick on uh, ropey songs and um, just basically if you'd like to do the announcement for The Working Man and David Alexander, then that's where we'll end it. Yes, this is a record by a great friend of mine. Uh, I didn't write it, by the way. It's a great song and it's by the great David Alexander. It's a working man I am And I've been down underground And I swear to God If I ever see the sun Or for any length of time I can hold it in my mind I never At the age of 16 years With my father close to tears As he vowed never again to send his sons To the dark recess of the mines Where you age before your time and the coal dust lies heavy on your lungs It's a working man I am And I've been down underground And I swear to God if I ever Or for any length of time 